Good morning and welcome today to our service here at Victory Church in Marion, Arkansas. We appreciate your taking the time to log in and to enjoy this service with us. Obviously, we are still in the middle of this crisis dealing with all of the change and probably frustration that you're experiencing and wondering how long in the world this thing is going to go on. I'll be honest, um, it is a strange thing to bring this message to you and try to preach a word to a room that's just almost empty. We have a faithful skeleton crew here that are here with us each week to be able to produce this, to stay connected to particularly our Victory Church family, to those of you in the community that might not be in a local church. It's an honor to have you today, and we appreciate your taking the time to join us. We've just come through the celebration of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We refer to it as the Easter season. Obviously, there's a, there's a week-long celebration there, what we call Holy Week in Christianity. It, it rolls into what we normally refer to as Good Friday and all of the sufferings that Jesus endured with a couple of mock trials over the course of the, the night prior, then being crucified that day, taken down from the cross, buried in a borrowed tomb, and then on the third day, it was discovered that the stone had been rolled away and he was not there. The angel said to those visiting, why seek you the living among the dead? And so what we do today, we do it out of the recognition of a Savior that has risen, a Savior that has conquered death, a Savior that has paid in full the sin debt. Jesus' last words on the cross were, it is finished. Tetelestai, the Greek word means Exactly that, finished or paid in full. The debt has been taken care of. And so today we begin with a clean slate. We begin uh, almost as if there is a new creation week. The old thing failed, and so now we've got a new creation. Old things are passed away, all things are become new. That's something that everyone can realize when they put their trust in Jesus Christ. Now, Doing so does not mean that you're going to have a life without problems or circumstances that don't occasionally challenge you. As a matter of fact, it sometimes is a little bit um, surprising to me to hear Christians be so surprised by all that we're facing here in the U.S. and around the world. It's like I'm going, have we forgotten? Have we gotten disconnected from the words of Jesus in the Gospels that he said that we're not to be surprised at the, tri the tribulations and the persecution that we face as his followers? Jesus said, but you know what? Don't lose hope. Do not lose heart specifically were his words. Be courageous, in other words. He said, because I have overcome the world. My peace I give to you. And it is a peace that the world cannot give. And so today we begin with that understanding and a celebration of that fact. We do so because it strengthens us to press on through the circumstances we face. That, by the way, is the title of my message this morning, Press On. I was in prayer asking the Lord what he wanted me to do. Just all of this is so new to us um, and how we're handling this and how we're dealing with it. Um, the, the social distancing, the, the quarantine, all these new phrases that have come into our current generation and our nomenclature. 
as humans. Uh, and I want to challenge you to, this, these, these are the words I heard the Lord say. I heard the word press. And so I said, okay, Father, I want to go ahead and continue with this concept of courageous because we need some courage to press through the middle of this crisis where we are. And you'll understand what I mean in a moment when I say the middle. The title of the message this morning is Press On. The text is Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Paul said in the letter to the church at Philippi, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. He knew he was in process. He said, but I press on to possess, get that phrase, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. King James says, I, I seize or I apprehend that for which I was apprehended, okay? Verse 13 says, no, dear brothers and sisters, he says, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. 14 is the last verse. He says, I press on. There it is again. Press on. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. One thing I always bring each week is a concept that I want you to grasp if you don't get anything else. And this is my one thing in this message. In Christ, the promises of God are all yes. That's a quotation from 2 Corinthians 1. In Christ, the promises of God are all yes, but I must press to possess. It's taken directly from Ephesians 4 there, which we just read. I'm sorry, Ephesians 3. I must press to possess. In Christ, the promises of God are all yes, but I must press to possess. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. I ask you for the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit to be in my words. I submit my mind and my thoughts to you. Your word declares, and I ask you in this prayer, I just say that the, the, the meditation of my heart, the words of my mouth would be acceptable, be pleasing in your sight. You are my strength and my redeemer. I acknowledge before you and everyone listening to this message today that I need you with all of my heart. I desperately need you, Lord. And I'm grateful to you that, that you live in me and that I am in you. I'm in Christ. Because of that, I can do all things because you give me strength. We acknowledge today our need for you in the middle of this crisis. And we ask you, Lord, to give us courage, give us strength, give us endurance to press on. We'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. The descriptions that I'm hearing in our news, those that are commenting, it's in a 24-hour cycle, literally, on cable. Matter of fact, we've been saturated with it. We're marinating in this constant barrage. Uh, and if we, don't, if we don't once in a while pause and step out of it and take a breath, then we can be overwhelmed with a spirit of fear. We spoke to that several weeks before Easter. And I would encourage you, 
if, you've, if you're getting anything out of these, oh, you can always go back and see them, watch them again on um, our, from our website or particularly from our free app in your Android store, in your Apple iPhone store. Just search Victory Church Mid-South and the app is free. And there's a button there you can click that just says watch and you'll be able to connect directly to YouTube and make a choice of this message today and any number of them in the past. The, the commentators are always talking about uncertain times and they're defining these moments as unprecedented. I agree with that. I think that it's important to remember that really there never has been certainty. Think about it. This, this lack of normalcy we're all in just brings it to the forefront for all of us. When we uh, don't have a normal routine or a normal pattern, then we start describing it as uncertain times. And certainly it is uncertain, for sure. Unprecedented, yes, in our generation, but it's certainly not unprecedented in history. And I would remind you the importance of being a student of history because circumstances like this were almost identical practically 100 years ago in 1918 in the Spanish flu pandemic. And so there are great lessons that we can learn. Andrew Yang, who was the former Democrat presidential candidate, said on his Twitter account, on the 6th of April, he said, in many ways, we're going to see 10 years of change crammed into 10 weeks. I think that is a pretty accurate assessment. Change is happening outrageously rapid, and that brings anxiety and frustration. With that, quickly, I want to give you my first point. And the first point is the issue with expectations. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a popular verse on bumper stickers, on Christian jewelry. Some folk have it tattooed on them. And I just want to say that though I am grateful for the truths that are there, many folk have totally misunderstood it and take it completely out of context. Let's read the scripture. I love it. Let's grasp it. But then I want to give the context. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Man, that sounds great. I, I need to know that God's got this, that he's got the whole world in his hands. I need to know that my future is secure and that my hope is solid. And it is as long as you're in Christ. Now, context is everything, folk. I, I want to speak to the false idea that God never intended Israel to be going through all of the stuff they were going through. As a matter of fact, if you just read two verses ahead of that verse... Go back to verse 9, verse 10. We're not going to take time to read through all of that today. But check it in your Bible or Google it, okay? He says, you're going to be in Babylon for the next 70 years. Now, in the middle of this, I want you to know that my plans for you are not, my thoughts to, toward you, and the King James says, are not of evil, but thoughts of good. And he says, to give you an expected end. So it's speaking to our expectations. Sometimes we see a circumstance in Scripture or a promise in Scripture and we expect one thing and don't really understand the full dealing of God that's going to bring about that promise. The issue is, is that we can't pray our way out of this COVID crisis. But if we'll do what God wants us to do, we'll learn to pray our way through it until we come through to the other side. And the other side will be victory over it. I would encourage you to, to look at that passage in Jeremiah 29 because 
He basically says, he says, guys, he said, you're going to be captives exiled in Babylon. He says, I want you to build homes, plan to stay, plant gardens, eat the food they produce, marry and have children, then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren, multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. That's one reason why I don't understand a lot of the outrageous eschatology where folks have such an escapist mentality and they basically just, the world's going to hell in a handbasket and they're saying, well, I just hope it happens quickly so Jesus will come yank us out of here in some any minute rapture. And the whole point is, while I fully believe in the coming of the Lord and I long for that, I think it's wrong for us to get into an escapist mentality where we just don't care what's happening around us and we we turn a blind eye to injustice to our fellow man. We need to build our houses and secure the safety of our cities and create an environment so our children can grow and produce grandchildren. What if the Lord doesn't tarry? What if he doesn't come back for another hundred years? What if we think he's coming in the next second and it's it's two more generations before he does? Will he find us faithful when he comes? And so this morning, I want to remind you that, yes, his plans toward you are for a future and a hope and thoughts of peace and not of evil to to prosper you and bless you. But, folk, that's still very true. Even in the middle of this crisis when our economy has tanked and maybe when you are facing uncertain circumstances of maybe getting a recent diagnosis of being COVID-19 positive, God is still God. Don't lose your trust in him. My second point Between the promise and the provision. Between the promise and the provision. Think about this. When God makes a promise to someone in the scripture, usually there's a set of circumstances they walk through before the provision comes. I got a principle I want you to grasp. The problem is always in the middle of anything God does. What does that mean? Get it one more time. The problem is always in the middle of anything God does. Think about this. Jesus has just had a great day. He's thrown the very first fish and chips party. He took a little boy's happy meal that had five loaves and two fish, and he multiplies it so that 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, which means basically he he takes a small meal and feeds 20,000. They have 12 baskets full left over, a basket for every one of the disciples. They get into a boat because Jesus gives them the instructions to get in the boat and go to the other side. Now, the, the issue is get in the boat, go to the other side. They didn't know that in the middle they were going to encounter a storm. And so it's in the storm where Jesus comes walking on the water to them and they see him in a different way. It's going to be in the storm that we're facing as a nation where we cry out and we see God collectively in a whole new kind of way. Where he reveals himself to us, yes to you individually, yes to your family as you put your trust in him. But I believe an awakening is coming to our nation when we see the Lord in the middle of this storm walking on the waves and he gets in the boat with us and takes us to the other side. And we have overcome this crisis that we're facing. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 23, he brought us out from there. Moses is speaking about delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt that he might bring us in and give us the land. So God gave Moses a promise. Moses told the children of Israel, God's going to deliver you out of Egypt and take you into a land that is flowing with milk and honey. But remember, the problem 
that is, is anything to do with what God does is always in the middle of what he's doing. Because between them being delivered out of Egypt and them going into the land, they had to go through the wilderness. Between every promise and its provision, there is a problem. Come on, some of you need to hear this right now. In the middle of trusting God for his provision in your life, he's given you a promise. You're standing on the promises. Our one thing is, is that, yes, in Christ, the promises of God are yes, but I must press to possess them. I must press in. There's a promise, there's the provision, but there's a problem in between. Pastor, I, that, I, that doesn't motivate me. Well, I, I, I don't, I'm sorry, but it's the scripture. This is how God operates. God will send you on your way and put an obstacle in your way in order to be able to develop something in you, to increase your faith. The little boy asked the professor one day, he said, Professor, what is the difference between school and the real world? And he said, well, in school, you learn a lesson and you study and you take a test based on your lesson. He said, but in real life, you have a test that teaches you a lesson. And so... Some of us are in difficult places right now. We're constrained. We're having to press through anxiety and frustration and some financial challenges and some relationship issues because we've been under the same roof with our kids and our spouse for way longer than we're normally used to. So look at these patterns in Scripture. God promised Abraham a son. He even renamed him and called him the father of many nations. But between the time Abraham got the promise and Isaac was born, it was a 25-year waiting period. Remember what we said, the problem with anything God does is in the middle of it. And so we're in the middle of this crisis right now. Joseph had a dream that he was going to rule, and eventually he ended up on the throne next to Pharaoh as the prime minister of Egypt. That was the promise. The provision was when it ended. But the problem was a short trek through the pit and the prison, which lasted 13 years for Joseph. Between every promise and every provision, God takes us through a problem because he's using those circumstances to prepare us for our next step in our destiny. Joseph learned stuff in those circumstances that prepared him to lead The issues you're facing right now are actually God's school. It's his wilderness school to teach you how you can enter the land of your blessing and your provision. The the examples are multiplied. I, I read a book at the end of the year over the Christmas holidays called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. He's written several very good ones. Uh, one is called Ego is the Enemy. The, the third one in this trilogy is called Stillness is the Key. But The Obstacle is the Enemy is subtitled The Timeless Art of Turning Trials into Triumphs. And basically he, he is saying is that the problem actually has in it the seeds of its own solution. And it's there where God teaches us how to prepare for greater success and the destiny on our lives in the future. In this he gives three points. He talks about perception, how we see things, action, the steps we take, and then our will, whether or not we follow through. He says that persistence is a matter of action. Perseverance, however, is an act of the will. He says one is energy, the other one is endurance. I love this quote. He says, the good thing about true perseverance is that it can't be stopped by anything besides death. If you're sitting by yourself or you're with your family watching this, I want you to say two words. Never quit. Say it. Never quit. Don't quit until you die. 
Don't quit until they put you six feet under. That's when you can quit. He says, to quote Beethoven, the barriers are not erected which can say to aspiring talents and industry thus far and no farther. What he's saying by that is we limit our own possibilities and our own potentials because we quit too soon. Never quit. My family's own multi-generational ethos that I've learned from my grandparents and then my parents was trust God, work hard, never quit. If you think about it, that's, that's basically what he taught us in this book right here. Trust God is my lens of perception, how I see the world. Work hard is the action that I take. Never quits based on my will. It's endurance. In Christ, the promises of God are all yes, but I must press to possess. My third and my final point today is this issue of pressing through tribulation. When you take a fresh look at the Gospels and you read through everything that Jesus says, he said, guys, there are going to be all kinds of problems you're going to face. Don't be taken by surprise. James says, count it all joy when you have multiple, King James says, diverse kinds of tribulation and testing and trials and these things that we go through. He said, but let that thing carry its course so that patience may have a perfect work and be complete in you. God wants to finish what he started in us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Three verses and I'm finished. It says, we are pressed on every side. There it is right there. We are pressed. We're pressing through this. We've got to press on in order to possess the end of this, this situation we're in. The middle of it is where we're dealing with all of our frustration. But I promise you, if you won't quit, if you'll trust God and work hard and never quit, God will show up in your life. He'll show up in your family. He'll show up in your finances. And anytime God shows up, he, he always shows out and with his blessing. I love that. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. See, that's all about perception right there. Yeah, I'm going through some issues. Yes, I'm frustrated. But look at the blessings of God I do have. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be seen in our bodies. Unfortunately, bad theology has given us this concept that it's always about a way out, which really biblically the way out is the way through. God's going to walk with you and carry you through this. You know, it's a misnomer. It's, it's, it's an incorrect interpretation of Scripture when people always tell you that God will never put on you more than you can stand. That's not even Bible. First of all, if he didn't put on you more than you could stand, you would never need him. You would never call on him for his strength in your weakness. And if you read that whole passage, he says that he will reveal a way out that you may endure. That's not a way out to just yank you out of it, but it's a way out that you endure. So in other words, the way out is the way through. God's going to carry us through this. And that's good. The obstacle is the way. What we're walking through will produce new ideas in America that will produce new businesses. In the book, he says... Crises will destroy bad companies. It will improve good companies. But great companies will thrive 
in a crisis because they learn the lesson that's happening in the test. And he goes on to say that the same thing happens with individuals. Get your perception right. Trust God. Get your action steps in order. Work hard. And then once that's in line, get your persistence happening. Get, get your perseverance. Never quit. The woman with the issue of blood pressed through the crowd to touch Jesus. And she got a promise. Four men with an invalid friend dug through a roof and they pressed through every obstacle they could to get their friend to Jesus. And Jesus healed that friend. The importune widow in Luke 18 pressed the unjust judge until he answered her request. Galatians 6, 9 says, Do not grow weary in doing good. In due season you will reap a harvest if you do not quit. Galatians 6 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. That which a man sows shall he also reap. And he says, Don't grow weary in, in doing good. He says, That in due season we shall reap if we faint not, is what the King James says. One translation says, If you don't give up, Another one says, if you don't cave in, we've got pressure happening all around us because we're being pressed. And the issue is, I just want you to realize this, pressure is not a bad thing if you're a lump of coal becoming a diamond. That's all about perception. See the circumstances you're in as God's school to prepare you for the greatness that is ahead. If you're discouraged, press on till you possess new heart and new courage. If you're anxious and frustrated today, press on till you possess peace and calm. Whatever your circumstance, press on. Press on. Press till you possess. One last time with our one thing. In Christ, the promises of God are all yes, but I must press to possess. Now, I hope that that realization makes you recognize you've got to You've got to pivot and you've got to change direction in your focus. Some of you are worn out because your strength is exhausted. And this is where you can begin to call on the Lord. And in your weakness, his strength can be made perfect. And as I close this message today, I just want to say to you that the most critical press you will ever do is just simply to extend your hand of faith to receive the free gift of eternal life that Jesus offers. Jesus was pressed on every side. He became the sin bearer, took away the sins of the world. The scripture says in Isaiah 53 that his visage was so marred that we didn't even recognize him. Folk, he was beaten to a pulp. Cat of nine tails, 39 stripes, literally ripped flesh and sinew and muscle from his back to the point of exposing his ribs. Nailed to a cross, thrust with a spear into his side, spat upon, cursed, blood dripping down from him. But you know what? That's the middle of the story. It's taken down from the cross, thought that this very son of God was dead and it was the end of it. But that's not the end of God's story because Sunday follows Friday. Friday, the son of God became the sin bearer, but Sunday he got up out of the grave, the conqueror over sin and death. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus pressed. He pressed on. He pressed through everything he faced for you and for me. This morning it's very simple. 
I'm not asking you to earn or work for anything because Jesus gives it to us as a free gift. All we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. As we put our trust, as we turn, as we repent from our own independence from God and we we recognize how totally dependent we are upon him, then that's where his strength shows up. He floods us with his presence and his Holy Spirit and that's where he gives us a new life and a new heart and a new hope and a future that is secure and a hope that is sure. That's yours this morning if you'll reach to it in faith. Wherever you are, watching this on your phone or your iPad or your laptop or your television by yourself or with your family, I would just encourage you that in that place you would bow your heart with me. You know what? You can just pray this prayer in your heart. God can do a new thing. He can do a new work. He can press through to where you are and get in the boat with you and carry you through the storm to the other side. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for the strength and the anointing and the Holy Spirit that I felt and sensed today and this week as I heard the word press. God, I know there are people that are listening to me right now that are experiencing They're receiving the negative side of that. They're under a whole lot of pressure. Lord, they're feeling like they're going to cave in. Lord, as we look to you right now, give us strength, oh God. We we ask you, Father, to fill us with your Holy Spirit. In the middle of our weakness, oh God, let your strength be made fully perfect, perfected in us. Lord, for those who have never crossed the line of faith, right now in this moment, I ask you to reach into their hearts and Take hold of their hand and walk with them. And if that's you, if you would be sitting in this congregation this morning, I would ask you, with the lights down, the heads bowed, and the eyes closed, I would say, slip your hand up, and I would look around the room, and there's, it never fails. There's always two or three hands in every service where people are taking a step of faith. So this morning, I want you to know that this is available to you, not just in this window of time, but if you're listening to this a year from now, And you know that we're going through this corona crisis. And you'll know what has happened by that point. But God still, his promise is still for you in that moment. Whenever you hear this, very simply to pray this prayer. Pray it after me. Heavenly Father, I need you. I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. And I ask you, Jesus, save me. I trust you. I turn from my past and my independence and I turn to you, Lord, in faith. And I believe. Forgive my sins. Change my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for your promise. All of God's people said, amen. Folks, thank you for coming today, sitting down with us, logging on. Remember that if you're facing a problem right now, don't forget the promise God gave you because the provision is ahead. Learn as you walk through this period of teaching because God's got a great lesson for you. Amen. We love you.